Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Thank you, God, that you didn't leave us alone. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us to our own devices and the consequences of our sin. Thank you, Lord, that you you broke in and that you're still breaking in. Lord, that you are still chasing us, that you are, are helping us, pursuing us, running after us, picking us up and running along with us. And God, we're just so grateful. We thank you that we have had this opportunity to find you. Lord, I think of all the people around the world who don't know you and who have no way of hearing about you and yet we have heard about you so much and we say thank you so much Lord thank you for what you are doing and what you have done in our lives father I pray for us today as we study your word that you would help us make it clear to us but also Lord help our help us to open our hearts to you Lord we want to open our hearts but we pray for your help and empowerment now. Lord, open our ears and our eyes and our minds and our hearts so that we would receive and be changed by your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are doing a sermon series called The Cutting Edge. And the idea behind it is very, very simple. The world somehow has convinced us that there are things called ministers who do Christian ministry, clergy, who do Christian ministry. They are specially trained, specially clothed, specially ordained, and they are the ones who do ministry. And the rest of us are just the plebs who just watch and kind of spectate. And ministry only happens in certain ecclesiastical events and buildings and times and places. And then the rest of the time and the rest of the world is secular and not ministry. The world has convinced us that ministry is for a certain few in a certain place and time. And the message of the Bible and the message of this sermon series, Cutting Edge, is that we as Christians, we are called saints, we are called a royal priesthood. We are all priests. We are all called ministers. We are called members of the body of Christ. And in fact, uh, Romans 12 says, having then different gifts according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. Let us use them. So you are a minister. That's what we said last week. And ministry does not just happen in Christian events. I've had people come to me and, and they say, the Lord wants to use me in ministry. And I say, yes, amen. And they say, when can I preach? And I say, no, no, you've missed the point. This is not ministry. Ministry is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in all the different places that we are. That is where ministry happens. The cutting edge is where our church meets the world. And it's not in this tiny little time and space called church. It's out there 24 hours a day, and it's for all of us. Somebody said, would this community miss us if Lighthouse was removed? Think about that for a moment. Would the community miss us if Lighthouse was removed from this place? And the answer to that is if our Sunday meeting was removed, the community would not miss us. But if you were removed from your family, 
from your work, from your recreation, from all the different places where you as a Christian are involved, where you are being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, where you are having a, a, an effect for Christ, then this community would miss us. It's not the little meeting. And it's not the ordained special people. It's all of us wherever we are. And I'm just so grateful that there are so many in our church who are being salt and light. You know, salt has to be shaken out of the salt cellar and put on the food to have any effect. Isn't that true? We, as the salt of God, need to be shaken out of the church, the salt cellar, onto workplaces, sports places, different areas of the world in order for us to have an effect, to bring flavor, to create thirst, to stop decay. That's what salt does. And that's what we do as we touch the world around us. So today I want to talk about a couple called Priscilla and Aquila. I don't know if you've ever heard of this couple. They are mentioned in the Bible several times. They were a Jewish couple, a husband and wife. It doesn't mention anything about children, so they maybe did not have children. They were a married couple who had lived in Rome, the, the capital of the Roman Empire. And I think they were fairly prosperous people. They were entrepreneurs who had their own business. It was a craft-making business. They made tents for people. People would come and say, please, I need a tent. And they would make it and sell it and make a profit out of it. Uh, in around about 50 AD, they were kicked out of Rome because the emperor of Rome, Claudius, said, all the Jews must leave Rome. And they left. They had to leave their business and everything. And they ended up in a town called Corinth, which was in Greece, modern-day Greece. And they started up their business again from scratch, their tent-making business. And one day, a little man, I'm going to describe Paul the Apostle to you based on what historians say he looked like. They say he was short with a big hooked nose, with a bent over back, and he had lots of scars and he was a little bit balding. And this is Paul. And he comes in, he walks into their shop, and he introduces himself, and he gets to know them, and he says, can I have a job? Can I have a place to stay? This is the great apostle Paul, the one who wrote most of the New Testament. He's coming into a town called Corinth on his own, no one with him at this stage. Usually he traveled with people, but in Corinth he arrived on his own. He was weak and trembling, the Bible tells us, when he came into Corinth. He just had a couple of bad experiences, and he comes in and he asks for a job. And Priscilla and Aquila took him in, they allowed him to stay in their home. And I'm going to start reading from Acts chapter 18, verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them, so because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. Paul worked as a tent maker with Priscilla and Aquila. Now fast forward about a year and six months. Paul stayed in Corinth for about 18 months. Let's fast forward. In this time, he's preached the gospel in Corinth. The church has been started. There's been all sorts of opposition successes and weakness problems and all sorts of issues in Corinth. But at the end of 18 months, 
Paul believes it's time to move out of Corinth and he's already thinking, where is the next city where we need to spread the gospel to? Verse 18, it says, So Paul remained a good while, then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. Now this is interesting. They had a business. They probably had a home. They had put down roots. They had been established in Corinth, but they left with Paul. Where are they going to? Verse 19, he came to Ephesus and he left them there. Paul goes to Ephesus on his way through. He's on his way to Jerusalem and he leaves Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus. I don't have time to go through all the verses now, but he travels, he travels. For about another year or two, Paul is going to visit different churches and goes to Jerusalem. He does various things. And about one or two years later, Paul comes back to Ephesus and he finds Priscilla and Aquila and Ephesus becomes Paul's greatest achievement as far as church planting is concerned. Ephesus is the biggest success Paul has ever had. And I want to say something now. We give Paul the credit for starting the church in Ephesus. But I believe it's Priscilla and Aquila who should get the credit. They are a normal couple of business people. They are not highly trained theologians with preaching skills. They are business people who know how to run a business. They are just average Joes but they got plugged into God's purposes. They got a vision for what God wanted to do on planet Earth. They used their skills and their business acumen to get a business going in Ephesus. And two years later, when Paul returns, he starts working with them in Ephesus. In the meantime, in these two years, while Paul has been away, Priscilla and Aquila have been witnessing to people about Jesus. There was a a preacher called Apollos, who was already in Ephesus, but he had some doctrinal errors in his teaching. And so they they corrected him and helped him to to become strong in the Lord. Um, they, They just kind of set a foundation. And I believe the main thing they did was they built a business and a financial base so that when Paul came back two years later, there was somewhere for him to work. Now you say to me, what? Paul worked in Ephesus, this great church, And I'm going to read to you in a moment how great this church was in Ephesus. It was the biggest church ever planted, and it had the biggest reach of all the churches Paul ever planted. It was extraordinarily successful. The church in Ephesus was a mega church. It was amazing. And yet throughout the time that Paul was there, he tells us every day he worked hard with his hands making tents. In fact, let me just read it to you. Acts chapter 20. At the end of his time in Ephesus, Paul um, has a meeting with the elders and he lists all the things about his time in Ephesus. And one of the things he says in verse 33 of Acts 20, he says, talking about his time in Ephesus, he says, I've coveted no one's gold or silver or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities And for those who were with me, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak 
And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul, in his two, three years in Ephesus, worked hard with his hands. Why? To be an example. He didn't have to. There was enough money. But he said, I want to work in a secular job because I want to show you what hard work looks like, that we are all ministers and that it's good to be generous. And so he supported all of his people who worked with him. He paid their salaries out of the money they got from the tent making business with Priscilla and Aquila. As I say, I don't think it was Paul who planted the church in Ephesus. I think it was Priscilla and Aquila. So let me read you a little bit about this amazing church in Ephesus. Chapter 19, verse 9. But when some were hardened and did not believe and spoke evil of the way before the multitude, Paul departed from them and withdrew the disciples and reasoned daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Paul was trying to preach in the synagogue, they rejected him, so he withdrew from the synagogue and he rented a little school hall which was owned by a man called Tyrannus and every day he would stand in that school hall probably for a couple of hours between 12 and 2 which was the siesta time. Most people worked in the morning then they took a couple of hours off for lunch and then they worked in the evening. Paul used that siesta time to preach in the school hall of Tyrannus every single day and people would gather and listen to him. But the thing that I want to bring out to you is it says, all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Just focus with me please for a few moments on this idea. Imagine Paul, he's working in the morning as a tent maker. Clients are coming in, it's hot and sweaty. Clients are saying, I want this tent, why isn't it ready yet? I want it like this. And, and he's working and he's sewing and he's, he's doing the work of a laborer. Then he takes off his apron and, and the sweatband around his head that he's been wearing making tents. He goes into Tyrannus' lecture hall and he teaches for an hour or two. I don't know, maybe a couple of hundred people would have listened. And then he goes back to making tents. Every day he does this for two years. And it says every single person in the whole province of Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. How on earth did that happen? Please think about it with me. How is it possible that every single person in the whole province, not just in the town of Ephesus, but the whole surrounding province, every single person in, in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus because Paul was teaching in a very small location every day and working as a tent maker. He wasn't traveling around Asia. He didn't have radio or TV or internet. How on earth is it possible that the whole province heard the word of the Lord? I'll tell you how. Paul equipped them in Tyrannus' school hall and they went out untrained people who a few months previously had not been Christians, they went out and they started telling people about Jesus. Can you see this? Can you see how different it is to our modern idea of church? 
We think the pastor, the minister must do the ministry. No, no. Paul equipped them in a small space of time, but they did the ministry and the whole province heard the word of the Lord. Experts believe that there were between 50,000 and 100,000 Christians in Ephesus alone. That is an enormous church. How, how on earth does Paul look after a church of that size? He doesn't. He teaches in Tyrannus' lecture hall a couple of hundred people every day, and they go out and in their homes, because it mentions homes having churches in them all around Ephesus, in their homes they have church, but they're still listening to Paul, they're still um, being guided by him, they are submitting to him, but they are doing the ministry, and all over the town, that town is being changed. It actually says that the whole town was turned upside down. It talks about um, people bringing all of their magic books. So people were very much into the occult and magic and mysticism and, and astrology, and they brought all of their magic books and they burnt them in the middle of Ephesus to show that they had repented and given their lives to the Lord. And it says the value of the books that they burnt was 50,000 pieces of silver. That is the equivalent of about one and a half million pounds of our money. Can you imagine a bonfire in the middle of town with books that are worth one and a half million pounds? That is a lot of books. If you do the, the maths and you work out how much a book might have cost and how many books there must have been to add up to one and a half million pounds worth, it's probably about 20 or 30,000 people brought their books and put them in a big pile. That's how many books there were. I've heard people say there were no books in the early days. They didn't have the books. They didn't have the Bible. There was no books. That's rubbish. There was a lot of books in the city of Ephesus and they burnt all their magic books so much so that there was at least 20 or 30,000 people brought their books and burnt them, their magic books. It was an enormous church. Right, let me go on to talk about the miracles. Verse 11 of Acts 19. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. So there was a supernatural element. Whenever Paul was speaking in the lecture hall of Tyrannus, he would have a handkerchief around his head and an apron that he would take off and he would put down. And while that meeting was going on, or maybe afterwards, people would come and they would take that stuff, the, the handkerchiefs and the aprons, and they would go and put them on sick people and sick people were healed. It says unusual miracles were being done. And I'm sure the miracles started spreading so that it wasn't just Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons. It was everybody started getting in on it. In fact, we know that even non-believers started trying to cast demons out of people. There were seven sons of a priest called Sceva who tried to uh, cast demons out of a person and they couldn't. They got beaten up because they weren't Christians. It was infectious. Paul was saying, I'm not the minister. I'm equipping you and you guys are the ministers, go and do the miracles, go and start churches, go and witness to people wherever you are, 
all the time, every day, in every place, in the whole province. And the word of God spread. Before I go on, I just want to mention the fact that it was handkerchiefs and aprons that God used to do the miracles. You know why Paul had a handkerchief around his head and an apron on? Do you know why? I mean, why on earth would the great apostle Paul have a handkerchief on his head and an apron on the front of him? Why does he need that? Is that what apostles' uniforms were in those days? Is that like the priestly garb? You know how nowadays a, a bishop has a funny-shaped hat and a priestly garb? Is that what apostles wore? A handkerchief hat and, a, and an apron? No, it was his tent-making gear. Let that sink in. The equipment that he needed for his day-to-day -day secular job is what God used to do extraordinary miracles. How does that equate today? Your calculator, your laptop computer, your teaching roster, uh, your musician's instrument, whatever it is you use in your day-to-day -day life, Mother, father, worker, uh, whatever it is you are in the day-to-day -day life, student, God wants to use your daily things, not just your holy Christian churchified ministry. He wants your ministry to be out there in the workplace. That's what God wants. We are the cutting edge. It's not church. Church is like the hand and the weight behind the blade, but where the edge of the blade meets what's going to cut is you being out there. And so last week we spoke about S-H-A-R-P being the things that we do out there in the world to be a cutting edge for Christ. We spoke about S saying speaking. The way we speak when we're out there with our family, with our sports mates in our workplace, uh, H is the Holy Spirit. The way we're led by the Holy Spirit to say, does God, do, do you really think this or has this happened in your life or maybe God wants to heal you, whatever it is, we're led by the Holy Spirit. A is how we act, the way that we conduct ourselves and we, we show them what Christ is like by our actions. R uh, stands for reaching out, means we, we invite people to church, we tell them about the gospel, we, we show them Christ's love by reaching out to them and then P stands for praying we pray for people either there and then we say can I pray for your sick mother your sick father your need or we say Lord I'm gonna pray for my workmates when I'm at home and that's what it's all about amen I'm gonna just read a couple of verses 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He's talking to you and me. He's not talking to pastors. He's talking to everyday Christians. He says you should always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Always. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in all sorts of places, you should be abounding in the work of the Lord, not just pastors and clergy. 1 Corinthians 10, 38. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. You and I are ministers in whatever we're doing. Colossians 3, 22. 
and verse 23. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that the, from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. My desire and, and wish and prayer is that you would wake up every day and say, I am a minister. When I'm going to look after my family, when I'm going to do the shopping, when I'm going to do my chores, when I'm going to my job, when I'm in my recreation, I am a minister. I am the cutting edge. God, use me. And you start to see your life as important and as, as something that God can use and will use. And then lastly, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Every place he's diffusing the fragrance of his knowledge. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.